Welcome. You are listening to Central Synagogue's podcast, featuring sermons, lectures, and conversations from Manhattan's historic Central Synagogue. I'm Rabbi Angela Bookdahl. Each week, we invite you to listen to messages of strength and hope given by our clergy on Shabbat or Jewish holidays. You can also listen to audio recordings of other programs and lectures given at Central by subscribing to this podcast on the platform of your choice. If you'd like to watch our live stream services or learn more about our congregation, I invite you to visit us at centralsynagogue.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. And raise me up to a world living. 690 new words were added to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary this September. Here are just two examples. Doom scroll, verb, to spend excessive time online scrolling through news or other content that makes one feel sad, anxious, angry, etc. Grammable, adjective, suitable to be posted on the Instagram photo sharing service. These new dictionary entries, and so many like them, share a common raison d'etre. They describe new approaches to old phenomena. To doom scroll, we first had to scroll through our news. But many of us were already proto-doom scrolling through TV stations. We now use so much social media that we need abbreviations like grammable. But we were already sharing nice pictures, often with the help of a postage stamp. New approaches inspire new words. We find this same phenomenon in Parshat Vayetze. While en route to Haran, fleeing from his irate brother Esau, our biblical patriarch Jacob stops for the night. As he begins to doze off, he suddenly sees these divine messengers ascending and descending between heaven and earth. As if this weren't special enough, God appears and affirms God's everlasting relationship with Jacob and his descendants. Amazed, Jacob jolts out of his sleep and declares, Achain, yesh Adonai bamakom hazeh ve'anochi lo yadati. Woe, Achain, God is in this place and I, I did not know it. Flabbergasted, astonished, Jacob has no words to communicate his awe, so he invents a new one, Achain. Like doom scroll and grammable, Jacob's new word signals a novel approach to a less than new situation. Maybe this is the first time that Jacob has experienced something like this, but we readers, we've already seen many of the type stories, the repeated narratives that comprise this episode. First, Jacob is only en route to Haran because of an enormous fight with his brother Esau. Fraternal arguments are everywhere in Torah, starting from our very first Parsha. Second, God's promise to Jacob is a composite of multiple blessings that God already gave to Abraham, Jacob's grandfather. The language repeats almost entirely. Consider two examples. 
God promises Jacob, your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread out. Chapters earlier, God already assured Abraham, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. God likewise insists to Jacob, all the families of the earth shall bless themselves by you and your descendants. That's almost identical to God's promise to Abraham, all the nations of the earth shall bless themselves by your descendants. This is repetitive. Siblings fighting, God talking directly to a patriarch, been there, done that. We're used to reading about these conflicts and theophanies. They're banal in the world of Torah. But despite this, Jacob uses a new word. What inspires Jacob to express such wonder? An answer is embedded in his very exclamation, Whoa! God is in this place, and I, I did not know it. I did not know it. Jacob's perspective transformed. His insight can transform our perspective, too. By using a new word, Jacob compels us to see this old situation through new eyes. A new word invites us into Jacob's awe. What a perfect example in this Thanksgiving season. Just three years ago, still in the depths of the COVID pandemic, we couldn't enjoy a festive meal with our loved ones or sing together in a full sanctuary like this one. Remember how much we longed for those experiences? Remember how fantastic that first gathering felt? Does it still feel quite that magical? Or have we fallen back into the rut of looking at what's banal, the repetitive arguments, the repetitive language, instead of saying, whoa, the truth is profound gratitude is hard. Torah knows that too. We find proof in this same Parsha. Some years after Jacob's vision, his wife Rachel gives birth after significant difficulty conceiving. How marvelous. But Rachel does not react with gratitude. Instead, she names her son Joseph, Yosef, as in Yosef Adonai li ben Acher, may God add another son for me. In the face of the extraordinary miracle of childbirth, made all the more extraordinary by the years of trying, Rachel does not exclaim, whoa, this is amazing. Instead, she declares that her one son is not enough. She wants more. Rachel focuses on what's wrong with her situation instead of what is miraculous about it. It's so easy to fall into that mindset. All we have to do is start doom-scrolling for a reminder of everything that is broken in our world from the war in Israel to rising anti-Semitism here in the U.S., or we could admire a friend's grammable vacation and, like Rachel, measure our blessings against someone else's. 
all of that can make gratitude feel impossible. But as psychologist Alison Gopnik reminds us, we once approached the world with radical amazement. This is exactly what a young child's brain is best at. Gopnik compares a young child's consciousness to a lantern. Everything from a parent's face to a picture of a farm animal is awash in an equally alluring glow. Adult consciousness, on the other hand, is more akin to a spotlight. Only one important object is illuminated at a time. The rest is left in the dark. This standard adult spotlight consciousness is efficient, but a child's lantern consciousness makes everything an opportunity for awe. What an extraordinary way to remember that God is in so many places. We grown-ups might experience brief spotlights of profound gratitude from an amazing vacation, a life milestone, or even a fabulous meal. These are all new experiences. The challenge is how to maintain that level of gratitude when we return to the old experiences. Jacob unlocked a long-lasting, lantern-esque sense of amazement. He does not exclaim that God was in this place after his fantastic vision. Instead, he insists God is in this place. Perhaps his example can teach us how to extend our flashes of gratitude to strengthen our gratitude muscle, to notice and name even the most banal miracles, we can start to use new words like Jacob to cultivate a new approach based in gratitude and wonder. And when we do so, we can start to apply this attitude to our oldest words. Rabbis and cantors spend a lot of time with old words. And tonight in this prayer service, so are all of you. The very premise of prayer is that we repeat old words again and again and again. This repetition, according to Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, helps us to notice the things we otherwise take for granted and opens our eyes to the sheer wonder of existence. When we all engage with the old words of our Siddur or our Torah, we can strive to give these old words new life. This, in turn, can give us a new approach, a new enthusiasm for the quotidian wonders we may have taken for granted. Perhaps we can add 690 new words of wonder to our personal dictionaries and continue to venerate our oldest words through new eyes. Once we do this, we might exclaim, whoa, this is an amazing, albeit average, day. Or, whoa, I am thankful for this banal but breathtaking experience. Or, whoa, God is in that place and that place, and God, 
God is in this place too. Thank you for listening to this edition of Central Synagogue's podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you're in the loop on future episodes. And please follow us on social media or watch our live stream at centralsynagogue.org, our Facebook page, or on national cable at the Jewish Broadcasting Service. Thanks again for joining us. Hey.